don't stand because you're so tall. Have you lost any of that height, Kevin? It's been embarrassing people like me for years. You know, Bill, I got a height range of 5'8 to 6'4. It depends <laughs> on who I'm with. Right now I'm 5'10, and that's for you. <laughs> Can you imagine? So I was saying to someone today, they were like, are you, what's you, anything coming up? And I said, I am so excited. Kevin Nealon's coming over today. And I just thought, it's so kind of sad that, you know, we've known each other for so long, and it takes a work thing to get us to sit down and do what we really should have done, which is drink and then fuck each other. No. <laughs> Again? <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? No, I do. We, we I do. so often see the people we really like only when we're working with them. Why is that? Well, somebody asked me uh, today, they said, do you, uh, you guys are friends, right? I said, yeah. But, you know, we just don't seem to hang out. I've known Bill for about 40 years. Right. You know, and I remember I used to see at the improv, there was fanned up in the beginning. And I knew, you know, you know how you go to those clubs a lot. You know everybody's move with their act. You know their act inside out. And I would watch you and I think, okay, here's a guy who's been influenced by Johnny Carson. Mm -hmm. I could see the moves still Absolutely. to this day. Yeah. You know, just a, in a monologue, you know, definitely. Yeah, the monologue. Not, not in your private life. No, <laughs> no and not in my stand-up. But no. in a monologue stand-up, yeah. yes. And, I, and, like, I don't even want to not be that. That's what I grew up emulating. And, by the way, he got it from Jack Benny. Did he really? Yeah, Johnny Carson would always say a lot of his moves. And you can see it in Jack Benny, too. So and you're basically doing Jack Benny, then? Kind of. And I'm sure he's doing somebody, or maybe not. Maybe he was the original. I don't know. But <laughs> it's worked for 30 years, so could I keep doing it? <laughs> But that is true. You know, you, you know these people and you just don't really hang out with them because everybody's working or well, you know, whatever. I have to say, this show and sitting with people like you, I am just <laughs> killing it with guys these days. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten so many new guys. <laughs> well, I remember uh, when I was breaking up with my wife, I was getting divorced. Wait, not the one I know. No. <laughs> this, is a, this is a long time ago. A long, so this, your first wife? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and we were going to break up, and I'll always remember this. You said, if you need a place to stay, come on over to my house. I said that? Yeah, can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> That's why we never got to know each other. <laughs> That's right. Because that was our big shot. But I always remember that. That was really kind of you to say that. And, uh, and wow. uh, I guess you kind of have experience of guys breaking up. Oh, my God. This, I mean, we're here at Club Random, but <laughs> I'm the... I came here back in the 80s, in the 60s, actually, to Club well, Random. <laughs> it was unbelievable. You wouldn't know what happened down here. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, well, Club Random, I hope, will reinvigorate a little bit of the spirit of the 60s. I love it, man. I love yes, it down here. Yes, but, but no, there's a guest house... This is not, of course, I don't, people say to me, do you live here? I'm like, well, why, how could I live here? Yeah, I live under this orange light and I sleep on the stripper pole. What are you talking about? Do I live here? No. And unlike where I live, there's a guest house. And that guest house was for many years the divorce house. Like many friends of mine, when they were going through Alan Thick, now he didn't live there, but like, uh, he could have. <laughs> Many others did. Like it was a, 
a sort of a halfway house before right, they yeah. like landed at the Bel Air Hotel if they were so lucky or wherever they were getting somebody's couch. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, because I was the guy who never got married, I was the guy who I was like the designated guy for breakups. Did you ever come close to getting married? Sure. Really? Yes, but I never got my toe caught in the trap. <laughs> <laughs> what what happened at the last minute? Where you... It's like being a fish, and there's the bait, and you nibble around it, and you just don't want to get the hook in your mouth. But sometimes you do, and sometimes people want the hook. How long you? How long were you uh, with her? Well, I, you probably remember. Oh, I probably shouldn't say names. Just uh, describe her face. Oh, like droopy I, eyes. I, I was with. <laughs> Is that the one? <laughs> droopy eyes. I was with someone from for five years. It was my longest relationship from 1988 to 1993. So we knew each other briefly. I mean, in the but see, you were yeah, you were back in California then, or certainly oh, yeah, by I knew, coast. I knew you back in the. Yeah. this was back in the 1900s, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was probably like around 1981, 81 maybe. By the way, right? you were like a pitcher with like the ultimate slider. <laughs> because you you are the, the uh, even a show business veteran like me, you are just the master at like hooking you into like really thinking you're going to a place of you know, just serious and then just completely at the last minute that no. thing breaks hard to the right and on, <laughs> on a lefty you cannot get wood on that. I really I really have a problem with myself for that because I'll be talking serious sometimes and people are like. No, I know, because your serious thing, that's what I'm saying, your serious voice is so, you know, you disguise the joke yeah. so perfectly. And then, of course, when you don't tell a joke, we're all disappointed. <laughs> no, but yeah, I... I know, I, I have a problem. I think it's a defense mechanism where I just try, you know, I want people to feel comfortable, you know? Well, you mean to, to go for the laugh? No, just to be around me. I mean, I'm not talking that I'm a huge star, which I am, but <laughs> I, I think uh, I think yeah. like, I don't I don't get you know intimidated that much or nervous. But I met Daryl uh, Hall earlier. Right, he was just on your show. Yeah. <laughs> I met him on the way out, and I was a little uh, I was a little nervous. Really? Yeah. Because he's a rock star. No, because he knows John Oates. <laughs> no but i grew up you know listening to, i grew up listening to you know rich girl and uh oh well, of course and, a million uh, of those songs that's the only song i know but no sarah sarah smile oh man eater they man eater they yeah. they killed it yeah, i they mean did. they were they were that is really hard to do to chart as they say in the business the record business yeah to chart like consistently like one after another, even for a decade. That is, you know, very few have done it for more than, everybody gets, who's like on that level gets a decade. Very few, the Beatles got a decade, the Eagles got a decade. You know, um, very few people get like more than one decade. Maybe Elton John, you know, was- Well, who was telling me that Madonna, I was reading that Madonna has had a hit in the last, for every, dec every decade. The last Madonna? Four or five can decades. still put out a great dance record, a yeah. great like uh, the. I play Madonna here in Club Random when we're not taping. Madonna is great for that, and I'm talking about 21st century Madonna, like 
she put out a couple of great albums. The last one I was less enthusiastic about, but she does not disappoint as a, she seems like an ice queen as a person, but she does not disappoint as a artist, yeah. you know? Would you rather have it the other way around? What? She doesn't disappoint as a no, I person am no, and, and no, an ice I, queen for music? I don't. <laughs> what do I care what Madonna's personality is? I mean, she just seems like somebody who, I mean, I can't see her here because this is kind of like a down and dirty place, and I feel like she's a, a diva. Um, I remember when she was... Uh, I could be wrong. <laughs> when she was on SNL, she was doing Coffee Madonna Talk. Madonna did SNL? Yeah. She was doing a sketch Coffee Talk with Mike Myers, and there was a scene where they had to kiss. And in the, her dressing room beforehand... I walked by there, and they were kind of talking about the sketch, and I heard her say to him, remember, when we kissed, no tongue. No tongue. <laughs> well, I can't, that one I can't lay at her doorstep. I think any woman would probably say that, especially to a perv like Mike Myers. <laughs> right? Maybe. I mean, you don't, yes, you, I mean, a sex scene in a movie, I mean, everyone, oh, it must be so much fun. I've talked to very few people who enjoyed it, um, except Bruce Willis, <laughs> who told me once about, like, he, it was like when he was on, uh, you know, what was the yeah, detective yeah, yeah. show he did? Uh, right. Moonlighting. Moonlighting. Which was awesome. That was good. I liked Moonlighting a lot. He was amazing in it. But he said, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's 8 a.m. I have vodka on my breath, and my tongue is in Cheryl Teague's mouth. <laughs> and Cheryl, but he was, not, he was not complaining, which is why I love Wait, him. What a run he had, huh? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Willis. I remember him when he used to hang out at the Improv, because remember? Because he loved comedy, and he yeah, came yeah. from New York, and he kind of missed the New York vibe. Right. Um, but <laughs> every time I'm in a hotel, uh, like, and I'm looking at the movie guy to see what yeah, movie, because yeah. a lot of hotels still have the, uh, you know this, I'm sure, as well as any traveling troubadour comedian, you know, the still in theaters movies. And they're very often movies you would never see in a theater or really aren't in a theater, but they're trying to sell that idea because they're new. And like... Out of 50 of them, Bruce Willis will be in like nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy at one point, some point made this decision, I will do anything if it's I can shoot it in right. three days. Because right. he's always like the bad guy or the something guy. They put his name in the title, which is a great compliment. You know, just his head and his name and like, oh, sure, I'll watch that. And, it, and I'm sure they shot it in three days. I guarantee Probably he did. did not spend more than a week away from home and yeah. pocketed a lot of bullion for that. And you Do know, you remember when they used to have bullion? Do I remember? Money? No. What like it's, gold bullion? Lewis was, was doing oh, his stuff. No, but I'll tell you this. On the movie The Fortune in nineteen eighty, Marlon Brando did not trust the um people making the movie and demanded that he get his salary which was three million for 10 days which back in 1980 was a lot yeah. but he was coming off the godfather and you know it was like a get to get brando it was you know so you know he had so okay 10 days of shooting and he demanded to be paid in gold are you kidding me? And every day a Brinks truck would pull up with, <laughs> I, I swear to God, I have this on good authority, with $300,000 in gold at the end of each shooting day. 
Wow. I get it, man. I get it. You do? Yeah. You get that? Well, what I'm, are you, I'm, nuts? I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's a crazy fucking thing to do. What are you, out of your mind? Well, I'm paid in crypto. What, what do you do with the gold? Take it home and put it in your desk? No, you paperweights, doorstoppers. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's one, of those, one of those stars. They're not just like us. They're nuts, and they do nutty things. Do you know Chuck Berry uh, used to demand his money up front? Chuck? Cash. Chuck Berry. Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Money's got to be up front. He would tour. He would never bring a band. Too expensive. He would use local musicians. He would tell them th three chords. He he was grumpy, and he would just he learn my songs before I get there. And it, truly, they're not that hard songs to learn. Yeah. You know. And he influenced so many um, musicians. Right? Yeah, he did. Whenever I was, uh, a musician would come through SNL, like Aerosmith, I'd go to um, uh, Joe Perry. And I said, who, who was your influence? Oh, it was always Chuck Berry. Really? Everybody. Chuck Berry, Chuck Berry, Chuck Berry. Even Aerosmith? They don't sound anything like Chuck Berry. Well, that's how they learn. You know, even the Beatles. The Beatles love Chuck Berry. Yeah. They literally covered some of his songs. Roll Over Beethoven. Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah, great, yeah. amazing John Lennon vocal. A lot of, of Jerry Lee Lewis and them, too. What? Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis. Was who? The Beatles. Do you listen to the Beatles thing? Yes, of course. They they never covered Jerry Lee Lewis. You didn't hear the songs I heard. What? Tell me the song that Jerry Lee Lewis did. The flip side of I Want to Hold Your Hand. It's not Jerry Lee It's Lee. not a cover. The flip side. <laughs> what is what's the song? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think he was he influenced them a lot. Influence is different. They never covered him. No, 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 no. They didn't cover him. But that's okay. what I mean. He but they covered him. Yeah, they Chuck covered Barry. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they and, and do you know who I love listening to on that Beatles station? It's Peter Asher. Peter Asher. His sister used to oh, that's, yes, Paul McCartney. Oh. Do you know, the, I think one of the probably best Beatle biographies, and there's a million of them, is the one really that Paul McCartney wrote himself, even though it's attributed to Barry Miles. But it's like Barry Miles, I guess, who was his friend. I'm not sure who he is. I forgot. But they're close, obviously. And it's really just him quoting Paul McCartney. It's almost like Paul McCartney wrote the book, but he didn't want to put it. I don't know. But it's basically Paul McCartney's autobiography. And Peter Asher, yes, was the brother of Jane Asher. That's right. And this is so interesting. I never knew this till I read the book. Paul McCartney, at the height of their fame in Beatlemania, lived in Jane Asher's attic. <laughs> That's right. Really. They had yeah. this apartment in London. That was his girlfriend. Yeah. But not really like, they were never like, okay, you have to be loyal. Oh, it's pretty open. Huh? I, you know, he's cagey about it, but. You got to imagine it's open for all the Beatles. <laughs> you know, no one's going to say it's this exclusive. You know, it's rock and roll. We're on the road, I guess. Anyway, but plainly she was the girlfriend and he lived in a garret, like on the top of their like their spare room, like where the sewing machine was, and for like three years, uh, like sixty four, five, six, that kind of, and would there was a, a exit he could take that allowed him to like miss the traffic of the people on the main street, so he wouldn't get mobbed. Like he right. would go on a back way into an alley or something. But I thought that was amazing that yeah. somebody at that pinnacle of their success it is it is, it is. not only that but he used to write he wrote songs for peter like he was in the band peter and gordon 
He wrote one song, and it's a great song, World Without Love. Yeah. Amazing melody that you could tell is a McCartney-esque melody. And it was a hit for them, but it would have been a hit for anybody. It would have been. And what do you think, Paul, do you think the Beatles go, why are you giving away your songs like that? Like, you know, uh, with Badfinger. Yeah, a couple of songs that really sounded like the Beatles. Absolutely. Well, Badfinger was different because Badfinger was signed to their label, so it helped them. Oh, right. right. Well, and the other one, it was his girlfriend's brother. So, like, you know, people have yeah, re- yeah. people have reasons for giving away their songs. I agree. I feel like songs, great songs, are such a great gem and a rarity that you would hoard them. But look at how many amazing songs they did wind up writing. So I guess they didn't think, oh, this is. This is not that hard. I, I can afford it. Do you ever write can. a do you ever write a joke for somebody and give it to them I've and go, ri- "Oh man, I wish I kept that." No, but I, <laughs> but I have given away jokes that I were not appropriate for me, mm-hmm. like the ones that starred as a black man. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, sometimes I'll give away a joke. And then I'll think, oh, man, I should have kept that one. But in the moment, it was like, yeah, you need this. You need this joke, you know? Well, we we are. I mean, I, 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 no matter how good you're doing it or how much material you have, we're always going to be joke hoarders because we remember when we were hungry and we didn't have enough jokes to get through, like, even 20 minutes. So we, it's almost like when you're starting out and you're poor and you're eating a lot of the club food, the free food that you get. And so when there's free food, you kind of like eat as much as you can or you try to take it with you. You know, it's like, oh, there's some food and it's good to have that food. And it's a little like that as you, you never lose those kind of like insecurities that was ingrained in you when you were starting out. So... No, yes, I, I, I write everything that could possibly be of use. And very often I say to myself, you don't have to, you know, you got enough. This is probably yeah. not ever going to make it to the A-list. So what are you writing it to? I, I might someday need more. And I remember starting out and I would go to the comedy store and the improv and there'd be comics up there with so many jokes. And I had nothing. And I thought, why can't? 20 comics give me just one of their jokes. 20 different comics. Right. That way I'd have at least 10 minutes, you know, and I have nothing now. I mean, would it hurt them that much if they gave me one joke? Well, that's what the communists would do, Kevin. I know. I'm a communist. That's why. I've always been a communist. (laughs) No, that's called being generous and helping, you know, helping a young Generous if it's voluntary. Communism if it's forced. I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be forced. I would say, would you guys want to give me uh, right. one of your jokes? Well, I that's really fine. Use it. If, you want to, if people want to volunteer to give you uh, something of value that they have, that should be their right. But you shouldn't be forced by the king's men uh, in your home, which is sacrosanct to the, like the king's castle, and forced to do these things, Kevin. I hope I hope my, you've been getting my newsletter <laughs> about having you can live a libertarian life. We are brought to you by SignalWire. SignalWire powers the future of cloud communications. Built by the tech OGs, the original geeks of software defined telecom. Their mission is to make it simple for you to build whatever you can imagine using real-time voice, video, or text messaging. The OGs at SignalWire have spent decades solving the most complex and awkward problems in communications. From broadcast quality video to ultra-low latency voice and messaging, 
SignalWire has the APIs and SDKs to create unique and intelligent communications experiences from within existing applications or websites or building a new app from scratch. Join the millions of other customers like Amazon, Ring, and Home Depot who are using SignalWire technology to build the communications experiences of the future. And in the spirit of the holiday season, SignalWire wants to give you a gift. Visit SignalWire.com random and claim a free t-shirt when you sign up for a demo. Go to SignalWire.com random and claim your free t-shirt. Go to SignalWire.com random. Uh, By the way, speaking of libertarian, do you, uh, I don't even know you, uh, know if you still or ever or whatever. <laughs> Is that candy? It's <laughs> these no, I, I, go ahead, you do it. These clove, I'm not, no. uh, you never did a clove cigarette? It was never your thing. No, it was never my thing. Yeah, that's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Thank you. I, 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 I still like you. I, I still like you. I don't judge. Uh, I don't judge. Uh, I really don't. Um, I mean, I, I do, but not this. I don't like to be out of control. Really? You know? I love it. Do you? <laughs> to be out of control. Do you think control? it, it kind of numbs, does it numb you? No, it you heightens wanna... me, fool. It numbs does me. It really? Why would I be, want to be numb? I want to be numb if I'm in pain. I'm not in pain. I'm, I'm like having a great time getting high and talking with a great guy who's hysterically <laughs> funny, who's making me laugh, who I've wanted to know better for a thousand years. Why would I want to dull that? You know I that want, I, in fact, I, I pass first, that cocaine I, and I ketamine. Can I get one word in for one minute? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. I want to thank you for every time I came on uh, real, real time <laughs> and politically incorrect. You are too um, much. You were so nice. I was. You were because I would go on there when I, I must when I turned high. sixty. <laughs> hello, I'm over here. <laughs> when I turned sixty, I woke up one morning. You can watch the tape to hear what I said. Uh, <laughs> I woke up and I said, "You know what? I'm going to do this stuff that scares me. I'm tired of like being a you know." Like hiding out and not taking uh, chances. Who said this? You? I said that. <laughs> to I said it now and I said it before. <laughs> oh, so you I must, said it to myself. I so said, you must agree with it. <laughs> I, I said to myself, I said, I'm going to start doing stuff that scares me. And one of them was uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. Oh, the really? other one was Howard Stern. Oh, wow. And I, I always avoided Stern because I knew he put people on the spot and he makes you kind of oh, bad yeah, mouth other people. But for some reason, I started listening to his interviews. He got a lot better and not doing that. But I went on there prepared for anything. And he came out, and he was so nice. He was so nice to me. I, you know, I, I have a long, storied history, ups and downs with that man, and it's just, I find it so sad these days that I can't see him because of the pandemic, and I know we don't agree on that. Not that that, I think, has made us not like each other, because we didn't have a good relationship for a very long time, very bitter. And then, boy... It all changed, and it just shows there's some great things about age and getting yeah. older and wiser and mellower and smarter, and 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 we became such good friends again. <laughs> Almost like a romantic story, like, you know, Bogey, and then they met in Casablanca, and it was going to be good again, and then the war came. And in this case, pan, uh, the pandemic came, and I don't think I'll ever see him again because I don't think he'll ever leave the house because he's, what? No, you know he's very, very, yeah. um, look, I don't want to judge it, but he's scared of germs. Come on. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's, <laughs> he's, he's he, you know, he's, uh, people have different views about that and they're allowed. I don't agree with some things he said about the pandemic. I think we're very, 
wrong. You know, we shouldn't treat people who don't get vaccinated. Stuff like that. You that have I, always been controversial and, with things. I remember, didn't you say something about recycling yeah. that it wasn't good? <laughs> Didn't you? Did no. You? Yes, you no, did. I did. Let's well, I don't know if I did. Let's I, take a look. <laughs> no, but I, I did. did. And I think you say those things just to get ruffled feathers and get a conversation I've going. I've never, ever. You never did that? Never, ever once in my life, uh, I mean, on television anyway, said anything I don't believe just to be controversial. No. Okay. And I think, you know, when you look at what I've said, it doesn't, it's not crazy. How do you think we do on a road trip together? I think, well, it depends on <laughs> the conditions of traveling. Traveling is all about how comfortable you can make it. Yeah. If it was a private plane and we just had our hotel oh, no, room. no, I said a road trip. A road. road trip? No, that's out. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go on a road trip alone. Would I drive or would you drive? Let's say you had to go. But, I mean, the only way this could happen in real life is if it was a movie, because again, we'd be working, <laughs> see? <laughs> to get back to that theme, we'd be working together. Okay, so we're making this movie where we're- It's um, a documentary. <clears throat> You've got to drive cross country. <laughs> it's a remake of Little False and Big Halsey. Okay, you're obviously Big Halsey. Um, and I don't remember what that movie was about, but it doesn't matter because we're using the title. And we're driving across country on a horse. No, let's make it a car. No, let's make it a rocket ship. <laughs> okay, no, a car. All right. So we're first of all, it's Tulane Blacktop with James Taylor <laughs> and Dennis Wilson. <laughs> no, first of all, the studio wants one of us to be black. Okay, <laughs> so right away you're out. Okay. So <laughs> no. Okay, so say we do we do this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> we would be essentially together all day. Yeah. I mean, the only way I would do it is if the if they gave us like a ton of money, which they would not because there's no demand for this movie. Although after this interview, who knows? <laughs> who knows what could happen? Um, but if we did, I could enjoy that. I mean, I remember the days of acting in the 80s and, you know. What was that movie you were in? Was it Car Wash or something? Well, there was Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. <laughs> I was in DC Cab. DC Cab, that's what I'm Of course. Of. Uh, 11 Academy Awards <laughs> went to other films that year. Um, but, see, I did one of you. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Do you have a dog? you have a dog here? <laughs> I, have, I see a lot of dog dishes. I do, here? Not yeah, in Club Yeah, the guest room. The guest room? The guest building. The guest building. There's I thought two, this was the guest building. No, there's up in the I, guest house. Oh. Oh, house. that house. Yes, yeah. that You've one. got houses here you don't even know about. <laughs> yeah, there's a house up there. you got to check it out. No, I know about that house. That's not the divorce. See what happens when you get stoned, man? You don't even yeah, know Right, no. The house that there. house, yes. No, that's not the divorce house. The, no. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. That's a different house. Uh, yes, well, there are dogs. Two dogs. I've always had two dogs. I mean, I know you're an animal lover, right? Yeah, I, got a, I had a great dog growing up. Uh, I mean, really smart. And your dog's smart. What's that? Do you have a book there? I do have a My dog did a lot of tricks, but they're all sleight of hand. Why do you have Close a book? Did you think I was going to bore you? <laughs> you yeah, might yeah. start reading. <laughs> I actually have had uh, earbuds in. Oh, in my the, God. Uh, is that Shandling? That is Shandling. Holy shit. I'm, so this is a book called... Oh, that's your book. I Exaggerate. It's caricatures. Oh, my God. Let me see that, that book. I've done. It's called I Exaggerate My Brushes with Fame. Oh. And I've just did a lot of characters of wow. people. You'll recognize some of them in there. And then a little antidote on the opposite page, just talking about my experience with them. Oh, what a great idea for a book. And as a favor to you, I did not put you in there. 
I, <laughs> I don't deserve to be in here because we've never done this. These are noodling. You have no anecdotes about me. <laughs> See, now we're creating anecdotes. And that's what it's all about in this business, Kevin, is creating anecdotes. Wow, you're, you're, I know who all these people are, and they're really good, too. <laughs> these, I would sketch on airplanes, on a napkin or a barf bag. Isn't it interesting? A <laughs> barf bag? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Oh, my God, that's a great Robin Williams. You got the hair, too. Yeah. When oh, I talk yeah. about Robin Williams when I first came out here. Rod I saw Friedman, him. perfect. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's a. Do you have a thing again? Bud Friedman, for those who don't know, is the man who really invented yeah. the place where we all started. He started the improv in 1962 as an off Broadway place in New yeah, York yeah, yeah. for performers to go after the show. They were still keyed up, they were yeah. drugged, they wanted to perform. They had more songs in them. They were on the adrenaline of the high from the applause in on Broadway. And it would come after the show in the early 60s and do something very hip and improvisational. And there would be in the back yeah. of the room. And then comedians came in. And so it became the first comedy club. I walked by there a couple of years ago. It's like an Italian restaurant now. Oh, yeah. But the brick wall is still in there. <laughs> it really is. The, and that's what... <clears throat> Oh, came really? from all the comedy clubs having a brick wall, you know? Right. The improv. I remember when there were brick wall TV shows. Is that right? Well, the first show I ever did was, uh, I came out here to do, I think it was maybe Evening at the yeah, Improv. Yeah, yeah, Did yeah, you do that show? I did, a couple of times. Yeah. It was like they just literally put the camera in the comedy club. Who hosted your uh, show? I don't remember that, but I do remember I did the Young Comedian special in 1983, Cara Leifer was another one of the young comedians, and the host was John Candy. No way, really? And I was very nervous to meet him. And like, yeah. And he was probably six years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> I was 27. He was 33. I, I thought it, he was like, because he was a star, and he was, you know. Anyway. Oh, my God, Johnny Carson. Oh, this is You see awesome. the smoke coming out of Johnny's mouth? Yes. It used to come out of his mouth after the break. Of take a course. couple of cigarettes. I, and then he laugh, and you get that residual oh, smoke wow. coming out. Oh, wow. These are amazing. Wow. And you wrote rude words to, oh, Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. Wow. Yeah. And you, Jim Carrey. So that's coming okay, out October I, 25th. Oh, my gosh. Can I keep this one? I wish I uh, could give that to you, but I only have 2,000. <laughs> no, this is the only one I have. It's an advanced oh. copy, so I kind of well, use it. Well, I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I see Humphrey Bogart. You don't know Humphrey Bogart? No, but I, I, I met um, Lauren Bacall. I did a film with her. and um, I, You she did told a me film stories. with Lauren Bacall? Yeah, I okay, did. Okay, what? Um, it was called uh, All I Want for Christmas, Christmas movie. And she told me stories about Humphrey Bogart. Are you fucking with me? I'm not. Look at me. Does this look, like I got... look at you. That's the whole, your whole. Right. So you tell me if this is true or not. But you did a Christmas movie? Yeah. And Lauren Bacall Lauren was in Lauren Bacall was in there. And they had what kids. was the plot of this movie? Well, let me just tell you what happened. We're, there was kids in there, and they were running around all the time. They were like 10 years old. Kids chasing each other. Actors in the movie? Yeah, chasing each other. And this infuriated Lauren Bacall. <laughs> Betty Recolor. <laughs> She'd be standing on the stairs and she'd look so, up, she looked so at no patient. She was, what, 80 at the time? Probably, yeah. <laughs> okay. And one, she finally broke. She said, would somebody yeah. please stop these <laughs> imbeciles from running around? <laughs> so here's a great story. She got, in, she got into a fight with Humphrey at home. 
Because Humphrey didn't uh, take the dishes. Well, he wasn't alive then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is before. Okay, so make that clear. He, you made it. You really shouldn't get stoned while you're doing an interview. You made it. I would hardly call this. No, no. She got into a fight with him when they were married. Okay, but you didn't say that. I mean, people don't remember. You know, let me finish. If there's people, (laughs) if there's people (laughs) who were younger, they don't know that Humphrey Bogart died in 1957. Did he really? Yes. How do you know that? I just numbers. Like dates stick in my mind. I don't know. But you could look that up on your magic light box, and I swear to God, he died in 1957. So how'd you like that story? (laughs) (laughs) All right, now go ahead. What Uh, happened? I have two stories on Humphrey Bogart. (laughs) So, okay, so let's set the stage. You're on this movie with Lauren McCall, who's Bogie's widow. That's correct. They married in 1945. I'm like the asshole at the beginning of the movie thing. Yes, they met on To Have or Have Not, uh, a movie. She was 19. He was 45. Uh, It was 1945. So everyone thought that that was like outrageous, 45 and 19. (laughs) Let's just not go there, Kevin. Uh, You're Okay, so... uh, and then, yeah, they had 12 years together, and she once called him the handsomest, ugly man in the world. Oh, man. So by the time you work with her, she's 80, an old bag. <laughs> she's not 80. I think she was my age now. But she... Okay. You probably have more Humphrey Bogart stories than I have. Apparently. <laughs> All right. So here's when you don't know. They got into a fight because he did not wash the dishes or something. And he left the house, he slammed the door, and he was gone for two days. And then she's getting worried about him. Finally, she gets a phone call. It's Humphrey. He asks if she could come and pick him up. He's down on the PCH, walking from Long Beach. And she gets in the car, goes to pick him up. She's driving down Pacific Coast Highway, and she sees him on the side of the road, walking toward her, just holding a single rose. Wow. Nice story, right? Wow. What was the rose for? (laughs) The other one that was really crazy is that she said that when Humphrey got cancer, he would be up in his bedroom, and he got really frail, lost a lot of weight, and they would have people come over for dinner, and he didn't want to miss out. So she would fold him (laughs) into the dumbwaiter, and they would lower him down, and he would come out at the bottom. (laughs) He would come out at the bottom to greet the guests. And... um for Gen Z, Kevin, what is a dumbwaiter? <laughs> Have you ever eaten at Cantor's? <laughs> yes. They got dumbwaiter over there. A dumbwaiter is like an elevator back in the 40s. They would bring dishes. I don't think you know what it is. <laughs> You're looking at me like, what's a dumbwaiter? No, I do know what it is. I wish I didn't. I wish I was Gen Z. Yeah, but you're, you know. Uh, you're, but yeah, it was like an elevator for for things instead of a person. No, it was smaller dishes, than an elevator. Laundry. So that if you if the maids were... Uh, up on the second floor, and the people in the kitchen needed something from the second floor, they would lower it down through the dumbwaiter. Like, Do you want to tell the Gen Z what a kitchen is? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to tell my wife what a kitchen is. Hey, 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 hey. And I, see, that's an example of a joke I would give to you because I can't do it because I'm not married. That joke doesn't work for me. See? But you don't do wife jokes, do you? I don't, you because should. I'm trying to be They're original. hysterical. <laughs> you should totally do that. You are missing a big trick. In fact, I think you should become a kind of a one-issue comedian. Just my wife, my wife, my wife. No, you have a beautiful, lovely wife. Who, who, um, do you remember any jokes from the comics that influenced you growing up? 
Of course. I was, you know who I was a fan of? Stanley Myron Handelman. Well, yes, I remember Stanley Myron Handelman. He was the best. Those are the, those are the days, like early 70s, when there was one new comic a year. Yeah. A year. Like this year it's Stanley Myron Handelman. <laughs> you know, and then you got yeah. every show, Merv Griffin and all the talk shows. Every you just got Myron Stanley Myron Edelman. I mean, you got some of the older crowd that were making the rounds, Charlie Callis, you know, <laughs> yeah, and Mr. Callis. Don Rickles, you know. But as far as new ones, you got him. And yeah, then yeah. you you know. Yeah, no, I used to read the jokes in the back of the parade magazine every Sunday, my favorite jokes. And then I would memorize them, go to a party. And tell them like they were my own jokes. I personalize them. You know, I come up to somebody and say, hey, did you guys hear about the guy who um, <laughs> robbed a, a fire truck? He stole a fire truck downtown on Main Street that from that fire station down there. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, no. They said, did they get him? I said, yeah, he was arrested by some guy who stole a cop car. That <laughs> was like from the back magazine. Oh, but you just made it conversational. Yeah, I just made it conversational. Right. And one guy, a friend of mine goes, you should go into New York and try and those is, comedy clubs. This is still how you get your That's material. how I still do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Parade Magazine, is, magazine is still a thing? No, no, I saved the copies <laughs> i did oh, okay. what are you, are you still working out <laughs> you are, you are too no, seriously whenever i think of you i think man he's kept himself in good shape well it's great to have a bro like you ask a question like that to a I'm bro setting you like up, me man. I'm setting no you i up. know you are um well do you have a you gym know, here yes is it called a random gym <laughs> Did <laughs> you randomly go in there? I mean, it's a, a gym. Yes, I have a room. It's not big. It has some very basic equipment. You know the Solarflex? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I had not thought about Solarflex in probably 35 years. I had one in my first apartment in West Hollywood. How quickly does that become a clothes rack? Yeah, a Solarflex with the rings. Yes. I want to do a segment on my show called Your Product is a Piece of Shit, where I would just show products that are, you're just, you just made a piece of shit. And it, it's more prevalent now, I think, than ever. People who just don't care about their work, and they sell you something that just in some fundamental way just doesn't work. Like, you know, how hard would it be to have the tea maker thing go down, you know, stay up when it, instead of just sliding down? That's what you, you were... You said a tea maker thing? Yeah, you know, like, you, it's like that French press. Yeah, yeah. And That's I had, coffee. I had six of them. That's coffee. Five of them, it didn't work. Really? How hard are you pressing? <laughs> no, it's not pressing. I'm trying to keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> I got to take a break. We'll be back after this. <laughs> Bill Maher, ladies and gentlemen. Bill Maher. Ah, <laughs> man, you said that. You said that. You'll be right back. Oh, <laughs> 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 Man, these clove cigarettes, I tell you, yeah. I don't know what they're Why do they call them clove? Oh, I think it's just the cloves they put in there. You know, I, I think they come from exotic lands. Do you know where they smoke on TV shows? What like, happened? Weeds. What they do they? Smoke? Oh, yes. To, to, you mean to, honey rose herb. It's a honey rose herb. I've never heard of that. That's what they smoke on all the TV shows and movies. Yeah, like sure. Smoking cigarettes. Right, because you're not allowed to but smoke. But it's got a little bit of a kick to it because they get it from the honey rose, uh, honey rose cartel in Colombia. <laughs> See, this is one of those moments where I think you're fucking. No, I'm right. serious. You I know. Honey Rose Herb Cartel in Colombia. I know you are, but when you say I'm serious, you're just setting me up for the, for the bigger one. So, like, Honey Rose no, Cartel all. sounds like a giant punchline waiting to kick me in the nuts. No. 
Have you ever come in contact with mafia? <laughs> have I come into contact with the mafia is the question from our listeners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have, let's see, I, well, you know, when I started, uh, there was, the club was Catch a Rising Star that I'm sure you remember. Yeah, quite yeah. Well. Okay. First club I ever went to. Is that right? It is. Because that, my friend goes, you got to go to New York, check out those clubs. So I go in there and it's packed. It's people smoking. Oh. The comics, Richard Belzer, Barry yes. Diamond. Yes. Uh, Glenn Super. Oh my God. Mark I Schiff. Third of that. Now, yes, I know yeah. Mark still. Uh, Great guy. Ellison. Well. El El Levinson. That was, Catch a Rising Star was my life from like 1979 when I started to like I, when I moved out here in 83. And my goal was to be the MC because the MC was the, you know, you were City yeah, yeah. Hall. So when I got that, it was like, great, you know, and I would bring up Belzer, like you said, all these, these great people. Yeah. I mean, I'm still friendly with the guy, the owner, Rick, it was Rick Newman's guy. Yeah, yeah. Rick Newman, great guy. Yeah, great Love guy. Love him and, you know. Remember he, Barry he, Diamond? Oh, of course, Barry Diamond was in the shoebox. George Wallace. I mean, Wallace, everybody yeah. worked the club, but some, you know, we all had our own club. Some was the improv, some was catch, some was right. the comic strip. Seinfeld and those guys were the comic strip, the Long Island guys, it seemed like, uh, Eddie Murphy. And then there was the improv acts, and, but I was a catch act. And the rumor was always that the mob. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, the Joe Piscopo thing, yeah. where they threw him down the stairs. The, everyone heard that story. That yeah. Joe Piscopo pissed somebody off, and they, I don't know, you know, it gets embellished. They punched him, but you're saying they threw him down the stairs? Yeah, yeah. I heard they killed him. <laughs> but only momentarily. <laughs> and then <laughs> the person you saw, the bodybuilder, after that, was it? Yeah. Remembered when Joe Piscopo got so into his own body yeah. that yeah. he forgot he's... A comedian, and uh, I mean, he's the sweetest guy, but like, yeah, he's a sweet guy. It's big muscles are not something people care about in a comedian. In fact, they may be counterproductive. I know, I know. it's distracting. Um, <clears throat> when I was at SNL, there was a guy that used to come up with his kid, his kid had uh cancer or something, so they would bring <laughs> him up, they let him come in, and you know. He'd come to the show, and he was so thankful, the guy. And then the kid got better and went off to college or whatever, and the guy kept coming back. <laughs> and he was like a superintendent of a building. <laughs> and he got, I think he might have been in the mob. He would call me sometimes, he'd go, Kevin, if you ever need anything, I mean anything, <laughs> you come to me. Well, right? I mean. I need material. That's what I need. <laughs> Can you write a sketch? <laughs> well. So I got a feeling yeah. that he might have been connected. I also, I mean, as long as we're going down this road, now you're making me rummage in my mind about the mob. <laughs> but when I was a pot dealer in New York, this is not the college, my deal, you know, because pot dealers. on the dealers, streets of New York selling pot. I was not on the streets. I saw, it was all only in the clubs. Okay. I mean, the comics, the, the band. Belzer still owes me $1,200 for pot. And that's when an ounce was $50. But he was the big act, the MC. It was better than blowing him. No, I'm kidding. I love Richard Belzer, and he was not asking me to blow him. But, uh, oh, shit, what were we talking about? It was very important <laughs> to me. Well, it was very important to me. You were talking about um, selling pot in Cat. the clubs. 
two other comedians. Yeah. And uh, you were not a street <laughs> dealer. <laughs> and you like the catcherizing stuff. Oh, no, the mafia. The mafia, yeah. Look at that. I'm stoned and I remembered and you <laughs> did. Was, oh, Mr. Get Big Shot. <laughs> That's what you get for being tall and having the blood slow to your brain. I just made that up, but okay. The mafia. I, when I was then in the so okay so when I was at Cornell, <laughs> that was one dealer. Because another club. Because when you're a pot dealer, is that and a we, comedy club, Cornell. No, no, <laughs> no. That's where I <laughs> learned to be a pot dealer. <laughs> no. So there I had we had of course when you're a dealer, especially we were the, always the low. My me and my partner, we were the had the uh, we're the lowest end. We're selling individual ounces, so we need a guy we're getting it from, and then he gets it from a guy above him, obviously. So our, my dealer there, he was not the dealer I had when I then moved to New York to start comedy. That was a different guy. And that guy, I think his brother was in the mob because he was very Italian and the pot was very cheap. I feel like, I feel like how can you be selling pot for this price? I think because my brother gets it by the ton. And then this is like a little sign. I don't know if that's true. And I'm glad I left out the names. But I think, uh, I remember once, this, I would go over his house. This was, oh, this is wonderful. He lived in Connecticut. I'll leave it at an undisclosed location. I used to leave my shit, hop, shit, shit box apartment on 8th Avenue yeah. over the bus stop. Hell, with my briefcase that my mother gave me for Christmas that looked like a lawyer's briefcase that I was using to then go transport pot. I would walk down to Penn Station, get the train up to this town in Connecticut, walk, because I was like Abe Lincoln, yeah. <laughs> learning, to, <laughs> borrowing marijuana. I love I that story. Walk, walk. It's a great story. <laughs> I'm going to finish <laughs> I would walk to this pot dealer's house. And this is, I think his brother was in the mob. And I would buy the pot. And he always said, it was like back in the days when you had to like socialize with the dealer. <laughs> right? You had yeah. to kind of be nice to the dealer. I just wanted to get the pot and go. Yeah. And I remember his wife would come in. One time she accused him. He was supposed to have quit pot. And she said, I know you've been smoking. No, I'm just selling it. He says this in front of me. <laughs> and she says, no, I think you've been smoking. I haven't. And she went, I see some pot on your tooth. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, those are my brushes with the mob. I mean, you know, I don't know why they would. You went to Vietnam, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not go to Vietnam. I was lucky I... Um, came of age to be drafted exactly as the war ended. Me you too. Might, was that right? Yeah. I, what year I did remember, you graduate high school? Uh, 71. I'm 92. But <laughs> I thought... We <laughs> I remember close. going up in college looking at the draft numbers on the wall. Everybody was like crowded around it to see. Well, and I sort of remember my number, 61. But the war was winding down, so they never got to that. Right. See, I graduated in 74. You actually could have gone. Yeah. Well, no, because they, I think they stopped sending people, new they, people. They put our draft number up there. I think a few people went. But it was more like everybody else was coming back, and they would say, where are you guys going? Oh, we're going back. All right. And then they go back. Man. What would we have been like if we were a little older and had been in a place like that? Because there was a comedian who was. Remember Blake? Blake Clark. Blake Clark. Yeah. He told me some, I thought some of the realest shit about Vietnam. You know, not on stage, but... Right, the helicopter crashing. 
the helicopter crashed. Yeah, crashed on top of a hill, and all the uh, Vietnamese were coming up to get them. What? He didn't tell you that story? No. Oh, his helicopter? He yeah, was in a helicopter? He was in a helicopter. And how did he get out of that? Well, I don't know. I guess they had uh, backups coming in or whatever, oh. but he got out of it. But he's got a lot of shrapnel in him. Oh, is that right? Yeah. No, he, I mean, he told me things that made so much sense that I'd never heard anywhere else. Like, he said, a lot of times when there's a firefight, we stay under the, wherever you have cover, and just do this. You know, raise your arms above your head with the rifle and fire like that. Because they don't want to expose their head. And I was like, yeah, that, I, <laughs> I've always kind of wondered, do guys do that? And he, <laughs> and he would said, you know, it was, we would like call in, airstrikes on monkeys just because we wanted to let make, make the people our superior officers think we were doing something and wow. had you know like a lot of it was just let's just survive one more day we know no one's going to win this right. war we're not going it, it's just just try not get it's just um yeah it's um war is bad kevin i don't care who knows <laughs> that i think that but war. <laughs> I picture you with a helmet on. I mean, yeah, Belzer used to have the joke. He said, I'm, I, wasn't, I can't be in the army. I'm a little too funny to fight. <laughs> and it is kind of true. I, I, I think comedians, because well, they see the absurdity of war. But also you get out of the combat stuff because you are doing performing for them. You're entertaining. Like, Who is? You're a comedian, like a Robin Williams, you know, in the... Um, Good morning, Vietnam. Oh. You know, or I know a lot of guys that went to, uh, you know, the service, they got drafted, and they got enough to fight because they were performers, and they would have them entertain the troops. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Elvis, of course, famous. Elvis, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two. Elvis Costello is a pretty great Elvis. No, no, right. But, you know, he when he went in the Army, uh, like it was 1958, I think, and, you know, the, the movie tries to make it like, oh, Elvis went in the army because otherwise they were going to arrest him for being loot. Oh, they weren't arresting him. Yes, it was 1958 and they were a little, oh, my God, he's swiveling his hips and the girls are having yeah, yeah. But they weren't arresting him. But everybody was, <clears throat> you know, back then, it was only 13 years after World War II. I know. People just went, but he he worked while he. I mean, he made movies, GI Blues, and it wasn't like he stopped working. Do you know that I lived in Germany for a while I, when I was six until I was ten? Really? Yeah, and I lived in a German neighborhood when all the other Americans lived on a military base. My father worked for a helicopter company, wow. Sikorsky's, and they had a contract with a. He would call it a German outfit. You know, back then they called companies outfits. Sure. And when he said German outfit, I thought he worked for Lederhosen, you know? But so anyway, we go there and we're living in a German neighborhood. So all my friends were German and I learned how to speak German pretty fluently. And I remember, and this was like 15 years after the war, I remember going to one of my German friends' house and in the middle of the living room, they had a glass case with like the German, all the German boats set up, you know, like a, uh, what do you call those? It's on a fake water. Diorama? Yeah, diorama and all the boats. And I remember, and I still remember to this day, so it must have affected me right. at that time. And, you know, these were like, I mean, are all German soldiers Nazis? No. 
Well, yeah. I mean, the German soldier, look, most, <laughs> don't get me defending, hey, here's what I want to say to you. You know what I don't like about Hitler? I'll tell you what I don't like. Everybody else in the Third Reich used to give the full Nazi salute, right, with the yeah. arm fully out, and Hitler would just give you this. Yeah, yeah. Which I always thought was like so privilegy. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, oh, everybody else, me, just this. But no, to be serious. That's how he flags a cab. To be serious about the Nazis and the soldiers, certainly the entire German nation was pretty. The Trump movie was pretty gung ho for Hitler and Nazism, and I think that includes the soldiers. Were they actual party members? No, but I mean, what historians have always puzzled over Germany so much is that it's such a brilliant nation. Uh, it's the nation of Beethoven and Schiller and Schopenhauer. And how could they go so psycho, right? Which might be a cautionary tale for us and Trump, you know. But certainly they went psycho for this guy. And that's why they were so scary, because they're such a brilliant, efficient people that when they turned their uh, talents, shall we say, to evil, they were brutally efficient at that. If Hitler hadn't basically gone nuts and attacked, you know, started a two-front war and then insisted that the soldiers stay there till they died, do all this crazy shit, they probably would have taken over the world. Yeah, sounds like Putin. Except Putin's a paper tiger. He can't even take over Ukraine. (laughs) Really, he's getting his ass kicked in Ukraine. That's, That's like, you know, the Buster Douglas. (laughs) <laughs> when he, remember that fight? Sure, 1979. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Later than that. Yeah, it was. It was, the, Tyson was the night. Do you miss uh, real time? <laughs> Still doing real time. Oh, you time. are really? <laughs> this is just, this is this what is I, the side, and this side is just, work here. you know, I need, well. Because we, this is different than real time. You so, have to be more political. <laughs> you're kidding. It's very different. It is it's, different. It's, First oh, of all. It's so different. I mean, know, the idea of me getting loaded and, no, say, aside and, from that, and saying like, what were we talking about? Unreal. I mean, they, they would have a heart attack. HBO would just, they would like call Bellevue. It would, but you spaced out on that show before. And never, never once. Really? Spaced out. I'm reading a lot of that now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Never dra- daydream? No. Like it was a boring guest? kidding? No, no, no. Look at me. <laughs> what are we saying? <laughs> what we're talking about? <laughs> um, so, yeah, Kevin, yeah. yes, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, I love it the way you, I, my channeling of your thought process for the last half hour has been, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Hour. But I feel like we've I been have, here two hours. <laughs> no, we haven't. I know exactly how long we've been. You see the clock right there. I could see everything, even if I didn't have a clock, I could know it. But I'm channeling what you're thinking is like. Bill is so loaded. I was thinking that. That I really have to uh, take over and ask him, which is just like, no, I, I would no, try. Trust would me, I would that. get to a million things. Believe me. Not you, that I have You enough. have more topics to talk about. You have so much knowledge. You read a lot. You smoke a lot. And I know that about you. For years, you're a smoker. You smoke pot. And you love it. I really, I do. Well, you know. Um, Would you say you're stoned more during the day than... I don't get stoned as much, nearly as much as people think. I never in my life have gotten stoned every day of the week, ever. 
I don't think I've ever logged seven days in a row where I was Okay, because I read about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, these guys, I had Snoop Dogg on once, and I said, Snoop, you know, I think I have the credentials to say this to you. You smoke too much pot. You know, these there are people who just light up the second they roll out of bed, and they smoke to the end of the day. And it become to me, that's ridiculous, because then that would become your, your normality. I want to smoke to, like, have a heightened experience. Yeah. Although this is kind of convincing me to go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last vacation you took? <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, Merv. The, the, what was the first concert you ever went to? Uh, the first concert. Let me guess. It's funny. I was on my last vacation. Was it Peter Paul Murray? <laughs> it was on my last vacation. You're, whoever prepared these questions for your staff did a hell of a job. Uh, yes, it was, uh, well, my... Uh, Last concert. Oh. What's the Four Seasons? No, I'm going to answer the other one. What was the other one? Where was the last place you went on vacation? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, I do the Hawaii thing. I've invited you on that Hawaii thing. I know. Thing I wish I you... could go, but I'm going to be in Aspen. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that sounds like such bullshit. Yeah, I have a gig in Aspen. It's so hard to tell when you're... I, was, I asked Mark. Every so year I'm you have a gig in Aspen? Uh, Why would you want no. to be in Aspen? Uh, because my kid loves to ski. And he likes to ski in really nice places. My kid loves to ski. What a dick. <laughs> no, it's true. No, he loves to ski. Kid. He loves to ski. Really? Uh, and, it, and the ski and, and ping ski? pong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's a, a big Nealon family thing? We go skiing? It's a Nealon and son thing. Nealon and son thing. You know what it is? He's, How old is he's he? He's 15. Okay. He wants to ski from the minute the uh, chairlifts start till the end. I'm more of a half-day skier. So I, mean, I stay with him, though, because, you know, he's my son. I don't want him to get hurt on the hill. And then it's over. We're heading back to the, to the resort. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait to get in bed, take a hot bath. And on the way back on the bus, the shuttle bus, he goes, let's go play in the snow when we get back. Let's have a snowball fight. Mm. And I do it because I want him to have, you know, memories of me having a heart attack in the snow. <laughs> well, uh, okay. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. And How I'm, old is I'm, your kid? I'm tempt my kid. Um, uh, I'm tempted to say, I don't know. I'm sure, like, I had never had kids, so I don't really can't It's come. not too late, by the way. It is way too late. I don't think so. I hope so. And it's not going to happen anyway. But, <laughs> um, but like, I just got to say, like, if my father took me, like, on a great excursion like this, like, skiing all day, and then we got back to where we were going, and I said, oh, let's have a snowball fight in the snow now. He would have said, you just had a whole fucking day. Okay? Say thank you. You know, parents these days, That's they just fair. seem to these have kids to do days. everything that the, that the, you know, the kid asks. And, you know, like, you're, you, know you gave him life. He owes you, babe. I he don't wanna, owes you. I don't want to change the subject. He owes you. I don't want to change the subject, but <laughs> I was talking to somebody, well, not three days ago. Four days ago. And he randomly said, these kids these days. And he said, you know who started that? <laughs> Bill Maher. No, I didn't. And I said, I don't think so. I oh, think that's, that was around like during the vaudeville. Like, Of course, I was doing a parody of that. I know, and I told him that. Who's this idiot? Um, <laughs> Why are you hanging out with him instead of me? You could, be here, you could be here at Club Random. Have you ever had a party down here? I would. I, was, I, I had parties here for twenty years before. Why we, wasn't I here? Exactly. See, that's why we're not friends. I know. I hate myself. 
<laughs> I don't know. We just never got on each other's thing. What will we do? And now I have too many guy friends. <laughs> Another 20 years is going to have to go by. No. Can you ever have too many friends? To get no. them? Because, you know, you no. can't give them quality time. No. I have friends I haven't even used yet. <laughs> I've heard that before. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I know. No, you I can mean, never I, have too many friends. Yeah, but they then you can't. don't get you don't have good friends though because you don't have the quality time with them and you're sh- juggling friends. Well, you know, there's look. I I know this sounds bad when you say collect things, but you collect mm. one of the again one of the nice things I must say about being this age as opposed to younger is you've collected a lot of good things that you wouldn't have when you were younger because you hadn't collected them. And people are one of those things. I have friends from, like, my comedy days. Not a lot, but the ones who, like, stood the test of time. You know, Jimmy Vallely, yeah, you, and then, like, potential ones. Like, you know, ones I didn't even use. Rick Podell. Yeah, Rick Podell. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have friends from, like, when I was acting and a couple, you know, a director friend who was still a friend and stuff. And then from politically incorrect people who organically became friends when they kept coming on the show and stuff and and then real time and so you have you, yeah it's great to have many friends cuz i remember when i was in college and i had no friends really i remember what it was like to have no friends why did I remember you not have friends because it was cornell because you know you go up there your freshman year uh, you know i my roommate wasn't interested in friendship really we we were enemies we just didn't seem to have much in common didn't talk weren't there at the same time um i did have one friend he lived across the hall and i'm grateful for that we kind of ate meals together and stuff i had somebody but really i I remember being like just on the i would dread the weekend because i had nothing to do i the weekdays were okay because i had work to do it was college it was a reason i was there weekend it was like oh fuck I mean, Cornell was a brutal place, especially for guys in the 70s. It was like three or four or five to one men to women, you know, and I didn't know how to talk to women. If I there was one who wanted to talk to me, and they were probably going out with the upper how class. How about now? <laughs> how about now? Do you find it now, easy to talk to women? Oh, so easy. Oh, I'm playing with the house money. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you just become much more... Um, understanding of women it takes a long long time you know i mean that's one reason i'm kind of glad i didn't get married i kind of needed the practice do you know what the one piece of advice for marriage to work for a guy i don't really care (laughs) or a relationship what is it or a relationship what What, happened what do you what's the best advice you can give somebody to keep a relationship going or a marriage it, it, I can't answer that question because it depends on the individual. I can answer that question for me. Generally, let's say general. There's no general because some people like waking up next to a person every day. That's what they love. That's what they need. Some people, they hate that. I can't answer that question until you tell me which person I'm talking to. You're talking to me. <laughs> right now you're talking to me. Okay, well, you, I think you're a person who likes to wake up next to someone every day, right? You like that. I do like that. You do like that. But it doesn't matter who it is. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you the answer to that. Having been married twice and having uh, dated before, <laughs> listening, listening to 
to the your partner. Jesus. Do you understand what that? What am I, Dr. Phil now? No, Jesus, no, what show is I'm this? Giving, I'm giving advice. Listening, like you're the first one to think of... He's not going to use the advice. He's not going to use the advice. Like you're, I'm telling like you, you're listening. The, like you're the first one to think of listening? No, I got the answer from somebody. <laughs> I didn't think of it. Okay. And I thought when he said that, I thought, I that makes sense. You, the fact that you haven't been here or we haven't done this is not all my fault because I'm realizing <laughs> now, as this conversation progresses, I am one of your best audiences. You are. You I, always laugh. I because you, you always, always laugh. make me laugh. And with a comedian, as we know, that word "make" is real. You have to make them. They they don't volunteer it. Isn't that funny how some Especially people are you. really good laughers? <laughs> some people are really good laughers. I know. Get you. I know. And then there are people who I adore, uh, but they just don't laugh. Jay Leno. Oh yeah. Just, yeah. Not, just never true. goes into a laughing fit. And I can and he can make me go into a laughing fit. Yeah. He's just not who he is. You know, he's just, he's generous. He's the most gen loving, yeah. generous guy. But he'll, <laughs> yeah, and then he tops it, you know. <laughs> he just wants to get to. Oh, yeah, he does like the top. Yeah, that's good. And, yeah. and, then, and then he'll tell you, and, and he'll do it, you know. Yeah. Or he'll kind of call you, like, he'll go, yeah. yeah, so you got that? Yeah, got but that, he'll just, right? he so, always. Yeah, yeah, the guy didn't show it's up. Never, he's, he wants to, yeah, he wants to tell the joke, not enjoy the joke. Whereas I love to enjoy a joke. Man, he used to crush at the improv. I used to bartend there for two years, so I saw a lot of people really? come you and go. You bartended? Yeah, two years. Oh, my God. I would see everyone come in there. And that used to be a big dance club for a while, like in 1980, 81. What are we talking about? The improv? The improv. The yeah, I room, remember. Oh, I used, to, I used to cut a rug there myself. <laughs> I did? Rug. I would see, I saw um, Timothy Leary come in there once. I saw yeah. Bob Fosse come Possibly in there. Possibly with me. I used to Probably. You, you hung out with him? Yes, he did an episode of Hard Knocks, a sitcom I did on Showtime in I seem to remember that. 1988 when like Showtime had a subscription of like 300,000 people <laughs> and uh, Timothy Leary was a guest star one week and yeah I remember hanging out with him a little bit in fact that chair over there Timothy Le that's the Timothy Leary chair Is he, that right? he burned a hole in it at a party and so he then signed it and I'm keeping it that's as a crazy man. I, I think that. that's going to be worth a lot of money but Jay Leno would come in, he'd kill. Robin Williams would come in, Andy Kaufman. I got to see all of these people perform, and it was amazing. It was such a great boot camp for me, you know, school. So, Kevin, I see you Go ahead. stifling yawns. No, 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 no. It's, I'm it's letting a, them come out. I'm letting I, them come I, out. I, I've never had a guest. People say that. You know, I, I yawn on like, yeah, I, it doesn't affect that. how much people I love. People say, I'm not, it I'm not tired. doesn't affect. Look at me. It doesn't. You look more like you're going to fall asleep than me. I certainly don't. Yes, you do. Those of you who are just listening, look. that is made up, and I think you can tell. <laughs> but I look, I, it makes me love you no less, but I can't help but notice. <laughs> now maybe you get up early. Do you get up early? Yeah. Okay, well. I can't I, sleep okay. lately. I right. haven't been sleeping. Okay, well, look, I'm not tired. See, this is why we're not better friends because you can't be honest with me. Really, <laughs> I'm being uh, so honest. Be with you honest right now. with me. You're tired. I'm gonna let you go. No, I'm not tired. Why do you keep yawning? Because I'm not getting enough oxygen to my brain. <laughs> well, that's been evident for years. Because I've been. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> why do people think that you're bored uh, if you're yawning? Because it's an indication that you're bored. No, because, it's not. Well, it's never been. A, this is. A, hey, let me not, show you what a bored person just, looks like. It's not something. I don't know. Okay, just it's, keep talking. I'll show you what a bored person looks like. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, I'm not saying you're bored. I don't. <laughs> I'm saying you're tired. I'm saying you're tired of me, particularly. We're all tired. What? We're all tired. I'm not tired. 
Really? No. Why are you wearing your pajamas? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, now no, I'm, I'm serious. It's um, I'm like I'm so relaxed. That's what it is. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, it is in general in life. You have to be. Well, you, no, I don't think I have any kind of emotions or feelings. Oh yeah. <laughs> when something happens, I don't really get excited about it. What are you talking about? You I'm never talking about emotions. Really? You don't? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? Or you never no, get no, excited? No, no. I'm serious. I don't like. My wife says this. She goes, "You, you don't show anything. I get over enthusiastic, and and you just kind of sit. You're very just even keeled. So, it's because I don't like believe it. I don't. I don't like. I have low expectations. I don't think. Does that bother good. her? Yeah. Yeah. So she like wants you to like show more of yourself she wants me to be more demonstrative in a vocal right. way and enthusiastic so we we're looking at how that's just... every chick <laughs> that that's yeah. the one you ask me what the advice is learn to either live with that or don't get involved with that particular quality in women they always are going to think that you are somehow holding back more of the essence of you that you're not sharing with them and so you know you have to either um be like understand that that's always going to be a monkey on your back or don't get involved because they you can never quite give enough it's funny you should say that on saturday night live jan hooks had stage fright and i had to go over to her house every friday night and kind of hold her because really? she was terrified yeah and she's she this brilliant sketch so artist. brilliant so so oh. great and so we go and do the show and i was terrified for her you know, and I just think, oh, is she going to be able to do it? And then she'd go out there and kill it. Right. Same thing every Friday. Every wow. Friday, I'd go over to her place and I'd hold her and rock her. And I'd rock her. And she said, Lauren just is not like supporting. She, he's not encouraging me. And, you know, I don't know how he feels. Am I doing well? And, then, and I said, she just would, I said, I'll say something to him, you know? And it's hard to go in and talk to Lauren about. I wasn't even talking about me. I right. go in there, I said, Lauren, I, you know, Jan is like really <clears throat> insecure about how she's doing. Can you, could you just tell her like she's doing great and you know, she's um, right. a wonderful performer. And he said, you know, Kevin, it's never enough. You know, if, if I told her once, I, it wouldn't be enough, you know? Yes. So, well, that's you know. not really a great reason not to do it once in a while. <laughs> you know, it really isn't. I know it. So I had to do it. But so can I ask you this? Yeah. You're, you're young, virile, you're over there cradling, yeah. as you say, this woman. This never turned into something romantic or sexual. You're cradling. You're, she's at this vulnerable moment. She's in your arms. You're rocking her back. The <laughs> rocking doesn't turn into, seriously. Come How's on. it going to turn into something when someone's going through an anxiety attack? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know you like well, that with a woman. It, it, no, but I mean, it because emotions can change. That's how. Because an anxiety attack can. Eventually. After, eventually. Well, after 20 minutes. People, you think any time I'm gonna wait around for twenty minutes? <laughs> <laughs> any, any time, any time people are somehow brought together in emotional intimacy, and this is like that's why in every movie, when do people fuck after that emotional moment, and then they tear off their clothes in like two seconds? I mean, they get it in the pussy so fast. Like in movies, it's I used to do a bit about it. It's like rapists cannot get it in that fast. They just, because they're so hot when they get to it, that they just, and what, what, it always follows because some emotional crescendo. 
So you're having this with this woman. I'm just saying. Well, I'm just asking up. if it ever happened. Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you the story. Oh, great! I met Jan Hooks uh, at an audition at um, 20th Century Fox, and it was a sketch show thing. And I was just blown away how great she was yeah. in the audition. She was like, and I was attracted to her physically. And cute, yeah, cute, yeah. <clears throat> and and we laughed a lot, oh. and we're walking out of it afterwards. And I'm so attracted to her and also her talent. Right. And um, and I think we exchanged numbers, and eventually she just said, "We just we're going to be friends, just friends." And she was, <clears throat> you know, always dating like a scruffy writer, huh. you know. And but we would go out to happy hours for six years. We do that. We go out to happy hours. We always had fun, laughed, and I was always thinking, "Why aren't we like going out?" You know. Why, why do you think you blew it with her so bad? Well, let me finish. <laughs> so we just night, get to the part where you're a. Giant pussy. <laughs> <laughs> One night, um, I guess we had a couple of drinks, and we went out to um, uh, what's that country western club? It was in North yes, Hollywood. Yes, the Palomino Palomino Club, and way out in the valley. It was it was uh, Leon Russell and uh, Willie oh. Nelson playing. They wow. just happened to drop in. Wow! And we had a couple of drinks, and we started making out at the bar. And you know when a friendship turns into romantic, it's really enticing and, yes. and very. Uh, and we go back to my house, and all of a sudden, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Really? It's a year before SNL. Ah. So we're together for a year, and then we both get SNL together. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and so we go off to New York, and her mother died right before she got to New York. So she was kind of a mess for that. She was a mess for SNL. And um, I wish we never became boyfriend and girlfriend, because we had so much fun when we were just friends. And then that opened up a whole nother, um, you know, um, right? It's a uncomfortable dynamic. Dynamic, with, yeah. It was just, expectations that might be, you know, you're. I probably guessing from this, the just sketchiness of your telling of this. Jan Hooks, tremendous talent. Yeah. Obviously, tremendous insecurity. So, that's always going to be when you're in the position of the boyfriend. Now, you're in the position of having job one in your life yeah. to assuage that insecurity. So you are constantly trying to, you know, fill up this pot that has a a leak. It's, so you know, yeah, yeah. It's never. It's so that's. Well, what what was the bottom line yeah. was here's a great opportunity for, for me to fly and to enjoy this job. But a lot of my attention was focused on her instead of my job and this great opportunity. Is that the first year of SNL? Yeah, first you were, year. So the first year. So I was year, cradling her at, at her home and oh, worried about her. That's why you were cradling her, because you yeah. were her boyfriend. Yeah. Well, you buried the lead, fool. Well, I was getting to the lead. You know Get, what? Who puts that at the end? Oh, and we were boyfriend. It's called story building. Uh, you know what? <laughs> no, I told you we started going out. So. This reminds me of this record by, do you remember Gary Puckett and the Union Girl? Yeah. Okay, they had, young girl, get yeah, out of my I sang life. it in my last special. So, uh, but they had this one song, it was not a hit, but it was called Don't Give In To Him. And the whole record goes, don't give in to him, why he's such a smunk. And then just in the last group, as it's fading out, you know how they used to fade out the records? <laughs> yeah. In the, in the fade out, the very last thing, 
barely hear it. Don't give in to him, because I'm the one who loves you more. I'm like, what? <laughs> you had three minutes of the whole fucking song, <laughs> and it's just at the very last end. I'm the one who loves you more. Okay, that does cast a different light on the whole record. But you know what? That look at look at the Todd Rundgren song. We got to get you a woman. What at the end. Is that? We gotta get you a woman. Who sings this? Todd Rundgren. You don't know that song? No, I don't. Oh my god! But I like Todd Rundgren. He's great. I mean, yes. that's one of my favorite songs. Oh. And so he's talking about getting his body a woman. The whole song is about that. And at the end is, and when we get you one, they will get me one too. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like they're. I don't. I don't know. A couple of guys who need a woman. Yeah. I don't know. So don't anyway, know. that's the, that's the story about. Um, wow. Jan. Okay. Well. But I loved her. And after we broke up, we still remained friends. And, and you still are. Uh, no. no. No? No. She passed away. She did? <laughs> I didn't know that. You didn't? Or I forgot. I'm stoned. Oh I'm God. sorry. I'm so sorry. God, how could you know, not know that? You well, know, Jack Kennedy died, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would not be the first person who has heard a name and did not, you know, there used to be I a, guess I buried the lead again. She <laughs> 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 exactly. I mean, I remember Abe Vigoda, for some reason, at one point, ha- had to, like, put out a statement or there was a, I don't know, he took out an ad. Something was like, I'm not dead, dead people, for some reason. Just assumed more than anyone else that poor Abe Vigoda was dead. And, you know, you don't remember who dies. I mean, do you remember when the guy who plays Lurch that big guy, he took out an ad in Variety. Of course. And he said, oh. I'm not dead. Oh, yeah. Hear me. Yeah, sometimes you have to. I mean, thank you God. You ever Google yourself? And Go- people that, is Bill Maher dead? No. When uh, did Bill Maher die? Really? Yeah. How do you know that? Because I Googled you before I came over. I would find out who you were and what you were about. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let you get back into the water. Yeah. I got to back, because no. it's a work night for me. I got to work on my no, real show. No, Are you really? Yeah. Club. I told them when I signed on to do this, I said, I will not take any. Let me get that for you. <laughs> <laughs>